you know, AI allows security professionals and defenders to do something that they haven't been able to do before, which is to work at scale in threat detection, malware analysis, vulnerability detection, and, and fixing vulnerabilities, as well as incident response. But what I'm seeing is by and large defenders that are responsible for protecting corporate and personal data, they're just not prepared. They're pretty overwhelmed and feel generally unsupported when it comes to the new style of attacks and just the volume that's coming from AI-generated types of attacks. Hey everyone, I'm Brad Bussey, Chief Information Security Officer here at E360. Thank you for joining me for the State of Enterprise IT Security Edition. This is the show that makes IT security approachable and actionable for technology leaders. I'm happy to bring you three topics this week. First, new Google initiatives to foster AI in cybersecurity. The second, tech companies sign accord to combat AI-generated election trickery. And number three, shadow AI. So with that, let's get started. Now, Google has an initiative to foster AI in cybersecurity. And as a cybersecurity practitioner, I'm pretty excited about this. So they've announced the initiative and it's aimed at fostering the use of artificial intelligence in cybersecurity overall. So what does that mean? If I look at this, I think, you know, AI allows security professionals and defenders to do something that they haven't been able to do before, which is to work at scale in threat detection, malware analysis, vulnerability detection, and, and fixing vulnerabilities as well as incident response. But what I'm seeing is by and large defenders that are responsible for protecting corporate and personal data, they're just not prepared. They're pretty overwhelmed and feel generally unsupported when it comes to the new style of attacks and just the volume that's coming from AI-generated types of attacks. So to combat this, I feel and others feel that public and private organizations should work together. And the goal should be to secure AI from the ground up. And what's exciting is Google is doing just that. So they're continuing to invest in what they're calling an AI-ready network of global data centers. So they've got a bunch of those. They have 17 startups. Uh, if you look at all of the different acquisitions and things that they're working on, uh, Google has startups in the UK, the US, uh, the EU. And really the focus is around new AI for cybersecurity programs. And they've got something called the Startup Growth Academy. Now, the company also has something pretty cool called Magica, and it's open sourced. It's an AI powered tool for malware detection. 
through things like file type identification. And this powers things like Google Drive, Gmail, uh, safe browsing, and some other components that have been blended with an acquisition uh, known as VirusTotal. So I think another pretty interesting thing is they're wanting to support advancements in AI-powered security overall. So Google is offering $2 million in research grants and strategic partnerships to support research. And they're doing it at institutions like uh, University of Chicago, Carnegie Mellon, and Stanford. So this is exciting because when an organization starts to fund research in colleges and higher education overall, that's just going to feed the next generation of cyber defenders, as well as those that are shaping what AI is going to look like in the next you know, three to five years. So second topic today, uh, tech companies have signed an accord to combat AI-generated election, we're gonna call it trickery. Now, these executives, I'll just name a couple from Adobe, I think it was Adobe, Amazon, Google was there, IBM, uh, Meta and Microsoft, OpenAI. And you heard me throw a little shade on TikTok uh, in a previous episode, but TikTok was there. Uh, they gathered at the Munich Security Conference and it was to announce a framework for how they plan on responding to AI-generated deepfakes. And the focus was those that are deliberately tricking voters. And what's interesting is these major tech companies, they signed a pact to voluntarily adopt, and I'm going to do this in air quotes, you're going to see and hear this, reasonable precautions to prevent artificial intelligence tools from being used to disrupt democratic elections, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And if you ask me, I think they're taking a bit of a, a kid gloves approach to this. And the reason is the companies aren't committed to ban or even remove deepfakes. Instead, the accord outlines methods that they'll use to do things like detect and then label deceptive AI content when it's created or distributed on their own platforms. So, I mean, it notes the companies, they'll share Best, you know, best practices with each other and provide what we'll call this swift and proportionate responses uh, when that content starts to appear and then spread. So I said a lot of things and I feel like I didn't really say much of anything because based on that reaction from these companies, to me, they're, they're not really doing nearly enough. Uh, detecting and labeling is one thing. And I know when I watch most people on social media, uh, attention span is super short. And generally, they're not reading something. It's just flashing by and they, they could be like, wow, you know, Taylor Swift tried to sell me something today. Uh, obviously not election related, but still interesting. So to put things in perspective, election deepfakes, they're already happening. So a robocall went out in New Hampshire, and it was President Joe Biden's voice, and it was trying to discourage people from voting in the primary election last month. 
And by all accounts, it was pretty convincing. I won't go into all the reasons why, but it was definitely enough for people to take notice. And in some cases, they, they were fooled. Some think we should hold back on some of our AI capabilities, like hyper-realistic text-to-video generators and the full voice-to-face generation. It's, it's a little hard, though, because I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to maintain free speech as well as maximize transparency. And I think we need to do a little bit better job of mandating some of these AI governance controls at a, we'll call it a, a federal level, Senate, Congress, and start really passing some legislation that's focused on this topic specifically. So I think we're going to get there. It's just going to take us a little bit of time. So until then, be cautious, beware as the uh, election season heats up, and just fact check. Make sure anything that you hear, you get a couple of different opinions. Uh, third thing we're going to talk about today is shadow AI. And I just, I love topics like this, even back when it was shadow IT. Uh, I think some of my friends back in the day called it business-led SaaS. Uh, and really, it is a real problem for organizations. And what it is, is employees are leveraging things that we call unsanctioned application. Somebody's putting down a credit card, getting a specific application, generally to do a business task, but it's not controlled by IT. So there could be some things from a security perspective that you're putting out there that you shouldn't, but no one has control of it. Next thing you know, uh, you're looking at a data breach or, or something else. So we're starting to see the same thing happening with AI where employees, they're using a couple large language models, or they've chosen a gen AI that they're using, but the organization hasn't told them what is or isn't possible. They are either paying for a Teams version of, of OpenAI, or it's just a, you know, kind of run-of-the-mill normal and costs them just a little bit every month, but who knows what they're actually putting out there. We've, we've talked a little bit about that before. And I think what's interesting is, is to put yourself in this position of it's, it's not generally good for an organization to not understand what is going out and being consumed broadly by something like a LLM. So I'm going to give you some, some things to think about as far as, you know, how do we find shadow AI and what should we do about it? So a couple different strategies that I would recommend are what I call comprehensive technical controls. So this is establishing things like traffic monitoring, having a secure web gateway, doing things like endpoint detection and response, having those on endpoints, and part of that, all good security things, but it's to pinpoint those unexpected AI-related activities and make sure we can identify uh, some AI software 
I'm not even going to call it installations because a lot of these are just still web-based, but it is possible for an organization to have uh, a, a bootleg or pirated LLM that's imported into a data center. And next thing you know, you've kind of stood up your own uh, and that's that could be dangerous. Doing a staff survey. So conducting a survey and just understanding what are your users doing? What, what have they decided is helping them do their job? And it's interesting how much information you can get just from a simple one, two question survey. Are you using Gen AI or LLM? I guess we're kind of past the point of the first question is, do you know what it is? Everybody pretty much knows what it is now. So are you using it? Second question, which one and or ones are you using? Making sure we are doing things like onboarding due diligence. So when we're onboarding a third-party vendor or partner, understanding are they leveraging AI and how are they doing it? So having some of those questions in the due diligence process, and that will help identify some potential shadow AI risks because maybe your organization isn't doing it today, but you onboard a third party, they're heavy users. And next thing you know, it's, it's like a gateway drug. Your users are leveraging what they're doing. I think, it, as with anything, enforcing consequences, outlining. We've talked about having a governance program, but there's really no way to enforce governance unless there's some kind of consequence. So making sure that you're implementing consequences for the use of unauthorized AI, I mean, that sends a strong message to organizations. And I think it will help to deter some of that unauthorized usage. And I should have probably done this one first, but I, I did it last because technical solutions aren't always the answer. I think educating users is still very important. That's been debated for a very long time, whether we should protect users from themselves uh, through technology. But I think with this one specifically, we left technology last on purpose. So using things like uh, SaaS security platforms that can do things like automatically detect when things like business credentials are used uh, to log into any tool. So for most of these Gen AI large language models that are publicly available, they are leveraging a common set of authentication and authorizations, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Google, very rarely can you actually create an account with an email address. They're, they're starting to standardize, which is actually good. It's, it's helpful for organizations to make sure that you know, this is something that's allowed. Uh, there's other tools out there that uh, you can have a browser extension, and they will watch what's being typed into the prompts. Because often, uh, users can share information that is uh, is private. It's not to be put out in the public domain. Maybe they don't know that, so they're just putting that data into a prompt or they're ingesting it somewhere into an AI. This browser extension, and we can get into uh, some of the technology in a later episode, uh, it's definitely interesting because it helps to avoid, it's really like a data loss prevention exercise, but, um, it's it's something interesting we can definitely get into a little bit more. So I would suggest 
adopting these five simple ways to identify and protect an organization when it comes to shadow AI. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time.